Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Now, where was I? Welcome to another installment of Nostalgia Busters, where we delve into the depths of comedy cinema to take a fresh look at old material and ask the question, does this hold up and would it get made today? And uh, this time around, we're going to be talking about Three Amigos, as you can probably guess from looking at the title of this episode. And uh, we have with us here Adol Rafai. He is uh, an improviser, producer, writer, corporate training director, adjunct lecturer, and prolific podcaster. And for some reason, he's decided to come back for the fourth time. <laughs> How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Paul, it's because you treat me so well. Ah. <laughs> I, I do try. You're yeah. you're very kind. You 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 set a warm table, and I'm happy to sit at it any time. <laughs> All right. Well, I will hold you to that, sir. You may reject. Oh no, <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. ruined. <laughs> All right. Uh, but uh, yeah, so um, uh, I'll just uh, kind of run through the nuts and bolts real quick, and then we'll sort of dive into Three Amigos. Uh, so first of all directed by John Landis with a budget of $25 million and a box office take of 39246734 US dollars. And that was apparently all domestic and starring uh, Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Alfonso Aro. I might be mispronouncing that. I apologize if I am. Uh, Tony Plana, uh, Patrice Martinez, and um, the late, great Phil Hartman for one scene as well. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but yeah, so f- first of all, I'll dive in and say that uh, Three Amigos was your pick. Because uh, I reached out mm-hmm. asking if you wanted to come on and you, uh, you threw this one out. Uh, so what was it that made you pick this one? Uh, I, I mean, I have... Um other movies that I enjoy more, especially from that 80s period in terms of like Coming to America, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Beetlejuice, uh, you know, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. But I felt like in terms of thinking about a movie that I absolutely adored as a child or a teenager, I haven't seen in a long time. And just thinking off the top of my head of like, what's a movie that maybe couldn't be remade? And I couldn't quite remember all of this movie. And I was like, maybe three amigos i'd have to go back and watch it so i think it was just one that stood out to me in terms of was there anything that didn't hold up was there problematic stuff i mean uh, almost immediately you mentioned john landis i mean that's he he's uh you know there's there's a lot wrong there um but but i was just it was just one of those movies where i'm like i think it's it's a movie I adore. It's one of my favorite comedies, but it's it's far enough down the list that I feel like hopefully I can talk about it from a place of not not being feeling too close to it to where I could still pick holes in it or still um, have my gripes. Right. OK. <laughs> and uh, uh, and in terms of my experience with Three Amigos, uh, the first time I watched Three Amigos was two days ago. So, Ooh, <laughs> so congratulations. Yes, well, thank you. Uh, uh, 
yeah, I I think I knew of this film in as far as I know about the Three Caballeros, and this film has often been sort of linked with that. In fact, that was mm-hmm. originally the working title for it. Uh, and my my in laws have actually mentioned this as uh, being a film that they like. I mean, they really like Chevy Chase, so um, uh, so that was going to be a film that they would probably enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. And I I went into it not I didn't look into it at all before I started watching it, and I figured I would just hit play <laughs> and yeah. see what I thought. Um, and I will say. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be an unpopular opinion or not. Um, it didn't really grab me. Like I, I, I didn't, okay. I didn't find it uh, laugh out loud funny uh, mm-hmm. myself. Uh, now, you know, uh, we can get into bits and pieces of that in a little bit. Uh, but uh, I wanted to make sure I, I said that up front. I'm not just going to be bashing the film or anything like that, but uh, huh. yeah. I was I was just Paul. I was just making a note for <laughs> June 22nd or June 21st, depending where where you're at. June 22nd, 2024. I was going to send you a card and a gift basket on your Amigo versary <laughs> to celebrate one year of you first watching this movie. But now I have to rescind that offer. I, I'm afraid. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could still send it. Maybe just uh, send a bunch of cactuses or something. <laughs> Make it a prickly gift. Perfect, yes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. and, and a painted backdrop that I can put somewhere as well. But, uh, uh, but yeah, no. Um, I mean, uh, going into uh, with this film, I will say, um, mm-hmm. having done a little bit of looking into the background of this, um, I don't know if this film would have been different if... We mentioned John Landis at the start. Uh, if he hadn't been on trial for what happened during the Twilight Zone film, uh, then he probably would have had more say over the editing of this film because mm-hmm. during post-production, he was on trial, which meant the studio came in and did a bunch of editing and heavily edited this film. So quite potentially, the reason that I didn't quite enjoy it or didn't find it as funny is because it got the most studio notes any film has probably ever gotten because they just went and did what they wanted <laughs> um, so yeah yeah I, I know there were a bunch of deleted scenes uh fran drescher was apparently in it and yeah she's supposed to be in the in the uh beginning portion yeah as uh, miss renee you do see the billboard uh with her character in it uh but yeah completely cut <laughs> and and not only was her stuff cut but the majority of the deleted scenes have actually been lost because nobody bothered to save them so <laughs> it's uh, well paul let's let's do a hard pivot let's do trading places so we're here to talk about <laughs> oh john landis's again trading places yeah. <laughs> uh poor <laughs> well you know i I, I haven't watched that film recently, so I feel like that would be a slightly weirder episode. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I I think we can uh, we we can move forward with this one. Um, okay, okay. So uh, one thing, the very first note that I actually put down for this was that the opening credits really made me feel like my TV was going to shake itself off the wall. <laughs> and rewatching that on my TV, and it just it does not stay still. It's just bouncing up and down. <laughs> no, oh, no. I, yeah. So that that was just an odd thing I noticed. Um, 
But since since it is uh, one of your favorite films from when you were younger, um, mm-hmm. so what what are some of your favorite bits from it? What what were the bits that made you laugh out loud during it? Yeah, I mean, I remember th- this is a movie where I, I mean, I should just um, preface this by saying, as a child, maybe around maybe around seven or eight, somewhere around there. Yeah. My parents started introducing me to a lot of stuff that maybe I shouldn't have been introduced <laughs> to. This, this movie, I believe, is rated PG, so it's not. Um, there's nothing too salacious or anything. But yeah. I just feel like I, I was introduced to a lot at a very young age, and I really glommed onto that. I really was like thrilled to be like, oh, this is what my parents are watching, and therefore this is like adult content, and I really enjoy the weird, dark stuff or whatever this is. Right. Um, but I specifically remember this being a lot of delightful set pieces in terms of like even just the the very 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 opening which is the three of them on horseback in their full garb um in their sort of mariachi suits singing a song and there's a point where they like sustain a high note for like 20 seconds yeah and it's just like it's not uh they're not putting too fine a point on it they're not it's not super clever or anything it's just like it's just funny, almost, in, I don't know if slapstick would be the right uh, term, but it's just funny in a way of, like, this is funny because they're hitting a high note, and I didn't expect that. It goes to unexpected places. And the yeah. other, I mean, one of my favorite moments in movie history is when the, the three of them are in the bar, and there's been this confusion of, like, the German comes in and says, my friends will be here. They're, they're like, not as nice as me. They're murderous. You know, he, this German guy just killed a bunch of people, and he's like, my friends are e- even worse than I am. So you better treat them with respect. And then the three amigos come in. It's a it's a comedy of errors. There's a misunderstanding. Yeah. The bar thinks they're the the murderous, uh, uh, terrible people. So they're all terrified of them, and they put on this little song and dance that it just I can I cannot just I cannot not grin ear to ear whenever I watch that scene. I w- <laughs> I'm so tickled by it. I'm so delighted when they sing My Little Buttercup and they do the choreographed dance. It just tickles me to no end. It's truly one of my favorite things from any movie. Um, <laughs> the other moments, I mean, the, the set piece of like uh, Steve Martin being chained up in jail and him doing like the uh, moving forward bit by bit by bit and then slamming back to the wall. Yeah. Um, the the whole, it there's like a weird fantastical turn it takes at one point like this weird odyssey fantasy moment where they have to find a singing bush and find the invisible swordsman yeah and 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 it's just like what is this and then there's like the campfire moment where they're all they're sitting on the most egregiously fake looking southwest lot yep and and all these animals come and the horses start singing and a turtle is talking and it's just to me as a kid i'm just like this is so goofy and weird and fun and joyous and I think one of the main, um, one of the main elements I love so much, or I remember loving so much, is that a lot of the humor comes from the three main characters being blowhards and dumb and goofy and like meaning well, but just constantly stepping in it. So I love that it's they're very much aiming all their punches at, at their own face for the most part, yeah. Versus any sort of like you know. Um, trying to to you know uh, undermine others or what, whatever that might be. Also, I remember as a kid um, being in I don't know if it was like fourth grade or something, and I remember using the word plethora because I had seen this movie you know four <laughs> or five times as a kid. I remember using the word plethora, and the teacher being like, "What's going on?" And I'm like, "Plethora," and they're like, "How do you know that word?" And I'm like, "Plethora of pinatas." So I remember like impressing a teacher 
by knowing the word plethora from a young age, specifically from this movie. Yeah, and although the the fun part about that as well is uh, the the entire joke of that scene is that he's trying to get the henchman to say, "Do you actually know what it means?" But at no yeah. point do they actually explain what that word means if you don't know it so yes yeah i believe my mom uh at some point explained it to me i I would imagine but but Uh, also context i think context helps out a lot yeah it it is something that is i would say relatively easy to put together uh, yeah to extrapolate it all yeah i think there's also i mean uh just to chime in with one other thing i i sort of like about it especially rewatching it just just hours ago I think El Guapo one is just a great name. I think it's it's Spanish for like the handsome one or something. Um, El Guapo, amazing name. And I also feel like they. I'm not going to say that this is like a powerhouse of character study or like all the characters are extremely fleshed out, but I do really enjoy that as the main villain, El Guapo is given these humorous moments that that the movie is almost like generous of like let's let the villain score too and be funny. And there's these moments of like his like number one henchman being like, uh, you know what, El Guapo? I don't think you're mad at me because I use the word plethora. I think you're mad because you're turning 40. And he's like, no. You know, so I love that there's this like reflection and weird psychoanalyst. Go- like it, it, to me, it's just delightful to let to let a villain be more than just a, a sneer and a threat. I think yeah. it's fun to make them like in on the fun and they have their own thing going and even they have their faults. And I, I, I just find that really charming, e- even if it's not, you know, it's, it's nothing more than maybe two moments in the movie. Yeah. That, and I will say, I, I think the best character in the film uh, for me is El Guapo. Uh, yeah, he, definitely the one that I had the most fun watching, which is actually kind of surprising to me because I love Steve Martin. Um, like yeah. he, he is a powerhouse when he's given the chance to be. And it almost felt like he was playing it too straight. Uh, for really? This one. Like just a little bit. Cause I mean, obviously the situation is fantastical. Um, yeah. and he is, uh, He's playing as part of this threesome, uh, but and uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Chevy Chase, so potentially it's because I I wasn't enjoying the banter between those two, um, yeah. and I, and I, I felt a lot of that didn't quite work. So I mean, uh, that probably what did it for me there. Um, and Martin Short was just a weird character. <laughs> I think he's delightful. I think he's so. <laughs> He's so boyish. Like, there's something very, um, it's almost like Tony Hale as Buster in Arrested Development or something, where it's like there's something boyish and uh, charming and weirdly energetic, but in a, a silly way. Like, when he makes the joke about the plane's little balls and stuff, I, I, there's something about <laughs> it that just, just tickles me. Like, you, it seemed like, and to me, I think, I mean, I, 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 always imagine that, that the three of them were having a blast on set because oh, there's yeah. moments even when they're like sneaking around there's a there's a moment where they're like sneaking around El Guapo's compound and like Steve Martin's making these like weird almost ballet moves and it just seems like they're putting a lot of mustard on the ball of like they're <laughs> even moments that should be pretty straightforward they they seem to be having fun with so yeah um yeah Chevy I mean Chevy Chase I used to enjoy uh nothing but trouble is uh, a favorite of mine even though it's uh, a 
objectively a, a terrible movie. Um, <laughs> but I think as time passed and he got more weird and racist or whatever, whatever else happened on the community set, I think right. I think he's fallen off my um, my list. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, like I, I just quick aside. Yeah. When it comes to Chevy Chase, really, uh, the only time I've enjoyed uh, watching him do his stuff would be one scene in uh, Christmas Vacation, and that would be the scene where he finally loses it. Um, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I I think it's very good with that, but the rest of that film, I was just like, meh, on him. And uh, I, gotcha. I think that's kind of continued any time I've seen him on screen. But uh, Fair enough. Uh, what, yeah. what, what did you, I have to ask, uh, Paul, what did you think of, uh, again, one of, one of my favorite bits of all time from any movie is when Steve Martin is on the roof and he's he's like, I'll make a bird sound to alert you to. And they're directly below him. They're like yeah. five feet below him. And he's, he makes the bird sound. They don't look up. And then he starts to like pepper in words. And he's like, you two, look up here, look up here. <laughs> to me, I mean, yeah. I, that, that, that to me, I can't not laugh at that. That's hilarious to me. I... Uh, I will be completely honest. I'm yeah. not sure I even cracked a smile for that. Wow. Now I, I could obviously see what they were doing, and uh, like the, you know, the comedy there is the fact that these two guys are completely incompetent and not actually paying any attention. But yeah. it, it felt like it just kept going. <laughs> just kept, like uh, I, I feel like if they had, uh, you know, the studio cut. A whole bunch of stuff apparently, but they couldn't cut this scene down. Yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah, and you know, uh, I I don't know if uh, potentially it was just the the mindset I was in when I was watching it. it was like, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, maybe if I went back and watched it now, because like thinking back on it, like that was Steve Martin just being Steve Martin. Like <laughs> that's that's yeah, yeah. Like, that's almost Sergeant Bilko esque. Like that sort of stuff. That yeah. Is. Um. So. Like yeah, I should have enjoyed that bit, but for whatever reason, I, di- I didn't quite latch onto it at that point. Um, no, mm-hmm. um, personally, uh, I think by the end of the film, I was enjoying watching the three amigos. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So, but you know, by the time they're storming the compound, like that, at that yeah. point, I'd kind of, you know, felt like I could appreciate the characters a bit more. And uh, um, as you mentioned, Steve Martin in the prison probably one of the oddest set pieces i've ever seen (laughs) it it almost feels and this might have predated this movie but it almost feels like a princess bride type of thing a a little bit yeah i mean you you know you've got the the cranking machine yeah yeah yeah, no absolutely that um yeah i think this came out this is 86 i think yeah yeah this came out a year before I was born, and I think Princess Bride came out the year I was born. So yeah, I think gotcha, this does gotcha. predate that. Um, yeah, I no. also just just the moment where they're when Steve Martin gets shot and he finds the blood and he's so annoyed and he's like, <laughs> "Let me see your gun!" and he pulls out the bullet and he goes, "Real bullets? You're in big <laughs> trouble, Mister." And then the slow realization, the walk back, and the deadpan delivery of, "It's real." Yeah, <laughs> it's all real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just, I, I, I don't know. It, I maybe I have more nostalgia and, and um, maybe I'm closer to this than I think. And uh, and you're the you're the new viewer, so. Um. No, I I I do agree. That scene was good. That I I really enjoyed watching him in that, um, and 
again, that's kind of peak Steve Martin type yeah, humor yeah. where he is just, he's outraged at finding out that something is not the way he thinks it is. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. It's uh, um, always fun to see him in that. Uh, now, uh, an- another thing I, I looked into uh, with this film, uh, they originally had a different cast and then they were potentially going to have another different cast as well uh said so yeah i heard that it was originally was it steve martin dan Aykroyd, and john belushi yeah so yeah and steve then, steve martin yeah. as um as lucky dan Aykroyd as uh, dusty and john belushi as ned was the original casting yeah. for it um and then i think it took a while for the film to even start getting made and then obviously john belushi um uh, was uh, suddenly unavailable. Um, <laughs> the, the the politest way to put it. Yep. Uh, and then uh, I think they wanted John Candy. Is that right? Um, they initially were going to go with John Candy. Um, so yeah. it, it was Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and John Candy. Uh, but he was deemed too big to ride a horse. So mm. um, now I believe, if I remember correctly, he ended up riding a horse like five years later in another film. So really he could have done it. I don't know if they just didn't yeah. have um, a horse that he could ride at that time, you know, but uh, he's actually the one that recommended Martin Short. Um, mm. So uh, that's how that connection was made. Uh, but at a certain point in time, Steven Spielberg was going to be attached to this project. Oh. And the cast list that he had was Steve Martin, since mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a Steve Martin vehicle, um, Bill Murray as the Dusty character, mm-hmm. and Robin Williams as Ned. Ooh, that would have been very interesting. Yeah, like that, I, I could see him... It would almost be a, a sort of a lighter version of his character from The Birdcage, I think. Yeah. Like, uh, especially thinking of that, uh, that scene where uh, uh, Martin Short's character is basically being like, you know, oh, I, I went to this set and this old actress was <laughs> saying, you've got it, mister. <laughs> uh, That's how, I, I feel like Bill Murray and uh, Robin Williams are almost like the bookends of comedian because Robin Williams is just like pure coke field engine <laughs> madness and yeah. bill murray's like the most subdued dry sarcastic annoyed uh comedian yeah nah, yeah, I, yeah he, he's he very much is the put upon like he does put upon better than steve martin um yeah i think uh, yes yeah it's a very different version of it but uh yeah no, he, he absolutely has that so yeah potentially uh it could have been bill murray being lucky and hmm. then Steve Martin being dusty. And I, I think that would have been an interesting mix there. Um, yeah. But I feel like Robin Williams would have ended up stealing the show just because Absolutely. he's Robin he, Williams. He, he would have done so much improv on set that they'd just be like, I guess we have to keep this because it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely would have had two different rating versions of the film uh, by the yeah. end of oh, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, so, so I I think at this point we we could probably get it start getting into um, if you feel uh, that this film holds up 
So mm-hmm. is there anything on your rewatch of this film that you notice that uh, either maybe you didn't laugh at as much as you thought you were going to, or anything that you noticed that would be like, nah, actually that joke doesn't fly now. Like <laughs> it's yeah. something that you didn't like. Uh, it's, I, I had a tough time in terms of kind of discerning and maybe I'm like old enough to where I'm just not like hip enough to what, you know, whatever the, the pulse of the nation is. But I feel like (laughs) there's still, to me, there's lines that I thought were still funny of like when they first walk into the bar, Martin Short, uh, Chevy Chase and, and Steve Martin walk into a bar that's 50, 60, uh, Mexican gentlemen. They walk up to the bar and Steve Martin goes, excuse me, uh, we're not Mexican. Uh, we're from out of town. And it, to me, I was like, that's a that's a killer line. But it's because they're so he's ignorant or he has no self, whatever that might be. But yeah. I am curious of like, what, I don't know if that would be if that would be offensive. And, and then there's also when Chevy Chase is eating, he's trying to eat like a soft tortilla taco and all the fillings fall out. And he turns to the old. Um, woman who just cooked the meal in Mexico and he goes, do you have anything besides Mexican food? And I'm like that. I think that's a a funny line, but again, I don't know. um, I don't, I don't know what would be considered sort of uh, inappropriate. Well, I, I have to say that, uh, that second one with the, you know, do you have anything besides Mexican food? That, that is a perfect, you know, ignorant tourist line, which, you know, they basically are. So I, I would say that's fine. Um, the, the other one, uh, about saying that, you know, we're not Mexican, we're from out of town. I've, uh, I think that one potentially borderline, I could see just cutting off the first half of that yeah. and having it be like, cause they're obviously not from there. So just yes, having yeah, it yeah. be like, you know, we're from out of town. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I think that. Like, but to me, it's funny because it's obvious, like, right. <laughs> like the guy wouldn't know, but I, to me, yeah. I, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I mean, I will say based on, um, you know, just some films from the period, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't notice as much humor in it that I felt wouldn't still fly. Like, you know, yeah. like there's definitely some ways that this film could have gone depending on, who was directing it or who wrote it, you know, potentially Chevy Chase would might have said something, you know, now that we know who's thinged about him. But yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I didn't see anything that I felt was too egregious in terms of lines of dialogue or things like that. Um, yeah. I mean, El Guapo, El Guapo and his, um, I forget his, his right hand guy's um, uh, name. Jefe, I think. Oh, Jefe. So El Guapo and Jefe have an exchange about the woman captor they have, which I think wouldn't fly today. Um, and then also maybe the Chevy Chase uh, moment where uh, El Guapo's trying to remember, like, where do I know you from? We What did we do together? And Chevy Chase talks, talks about fucking the horses and all this stuff. So yeah. I, I feel like maybe those moments would go the way of the dodo. Um, but but other than that, yeah, I feel like, I feel like most of the dialogue, I, th- I think, holds up pretty well. And then also, yeah. I mean, I, I'm... I was also just shocked to go back and watch this as an adult. Like I, I haven't seen this movie in uh, maybe 20 years. I, I can't, I can't recall, oh, wow. but I, I was surprised to see that it's basically like uh, our, our three leads, Steve Martin, uh, Chevy Chase and Martin short. Um, we have appearances, guest spots by John Lovitz, Phil Hartman and Joe Montaigne, which are that's that whole scenes, maybe two minutes. Yeah. We have the, the three Germans. And then besides that, it's like 4,000, uh, 
indigenous extras and actors and so I, I was surprised of like this is one of the most diverse uh you know non-mexican latino movies that i've ever i've ever seen and it's from 1986 yeah um, i i i couldn't tell you if every single actor is if you know if there was maybe some um casting that wasn't you know on on nail on the head in terms right. of like ethnicity but uh on first appearance i was i was very surprised that it's uh that it, it was that way yeah no it, it was uh, as you say it was a little bit of a shock to be like oh no they they actually took the time and they they did film in mexico and they clearly got a large number of people you know potentially they just kind of went around and were just like you want to be extras in the back of a scene here you go like yeah. you know they rather than you know bringing a bunch of people and you know putting on uh you know brown face or something like that which, yeah yeah which very was thankful that did not done. the case yeah yes <laughs> yeah. yeah uh but yeah no that was kind of interesting um one thing one thing i did find just a little weird and you know and potentially you know that they're trying to show that these people are out in the middle of nowhere and that sort of stuff but uh so mm -hmm. this film was set in 1916 uh and i don't know if you noticed but there is not a single car or other form of automobile in mexico in the entire film everyone's just riding around on horses despite the fact that cars were brought to mexico in 1903 so <laughs> it was just this uh like obviously and yes i understand it's a comedy film about the three amigos who ride around on horseback and so everyone just going to ride on horseback but it really felt like they were trying to be you know the sort of the mid 1800s frontier you know western type thing um yeah, and uh, uh, and yet they very clearly showed that it was set in 1916. <laughs> so it was just a bit of a weird. Uh, is, is it a thing of like? I have no idea. Do you know when like the Nickelodeon was invented? Like when? Hmm. Uh, I guess movies were commonplace because I, I think it may, it's is it maybe a thing of like they had to be movie stars in the silent era, but then they're also maybe um, movies weren't around popularized until but, 19 but, whatever. Potentially, I mean. Um, you know, they they very clearly are you know big silent film stars in in America, but yeah. it really does seem like yeah they uh, you know these people from this relative this quite small town in Mexico have never seen uh, them and yet like like you said when she walks in and sees the footage and she just believes it I guess a documentary like yeah. it's just oh these people actually go around and do this. So. Yeah. It's yeah, like when the whatever the great train robbery or whatever, when the the train uh, was coming towards the camera on screen and everyone would scream everyone, and jump out of their seat, like yeah, yeah. Clearly, there's a out. train in this theater. <laughs> People used to be so stupid. Yeah, I mean, yeah, running away from the first ever moving picture you've ever seen. <laughs> I simply wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Yes, if I lived back then. Yes, with my decades of experience watching films in a cinema yeah. and IMAX. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I would have calmly sat still and ate my popcorn. <laughs> yeah, that, I felt it was just a little odd. I mean, again, sure. Yeah, they uh, they are supposed to be just sort of middle of nowhere in Mexico, as far as I yeah, can I tell. I think so. also that the town, the the town that needs saving, Santa Poco. I think they're also. I mean, I think they make maybe make a point to say they were like impoverished like she she can't yeah. even send a proper telegram like they have to shorten a telegram because there's maybe not enough funds to, to send the full verbiage so 
Yeah. Um, so I don't know what co- cars cost back then, but maybe it wasn't <laughs> practical or, or affordable. Yeah, probably. And um, I, I remember in 1903, there was something like uh, 50 cars that were brought over. And then by 1906, there were like 500. And it was just mm-hmm. starting to build and build and build there. It, it actually, very odd looking into it, like, the the car industry in mexico just started kind of going up and then around the 40s and 50s it just tanked yeah i um i I don't remember off the top of my head what it was but like it kind of it just declined for ages and then it just sort of shot back up again um Hmm. with the uh ford actually was one of the ones that really started bringing that in so interesting yeah um but, uh, I, I think also maybe if if this was to be you know if there's um, some sort of remake or something if they were to to make this today or, or remake it today I think probably the amigos would not wear mariachi outfits <laughs> um, that would probably be considered insulting um, yeah. and I would assume I mean there's some amount of like the the lead sort of um, uh, the lead woman who kind of first uh, contracts the amigos to come help the village yeah, she carmen. carmen thank you there's you know there's definitely moments where she has to push past the amigos ineptitude and take things into her own hands like knocking out the guard and all this stuff so yeah. i don't i uh, i feel like she, she it doesn't seem like a damsel in distress situation of like these three men have to come save her like it seems like she's capable on her own she has to help them out when they fail and then also, like, the town itself uses their strength to, you know, defeat the enemy at the end. The Amigos yeah. get all the praise, so maybe maybe that would be inverse to where the town is like, we didn't need you in the first place or something. Um, or even, <laughs> you know, if we're thinking about casting today, it would probably be maybe one of the Amigos is, is a woman, and then maybe at the end, instead of the, the, the three prettiest women in the town kissing the, the guys, maybe it would be, like, the woman, you know, gets... Uh, a guy i don't know uh but it feels like that would there would probably be some undermining of, of expectations at the end there versus versus the three white dudes getting kisses from uh, uh beautiful residents yeah now i i was gonna say uh one another part of this that kind of stuck at me a little bit again i understand that you know, it's a comedy and it's weird that these three relatively incompetent people are the ones to save the day but it really was a little bit of a white savior <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. Um, they get the full credit for it yeah yeah um and uh and then kind of the last thing that was very much a oh yeah that was of the time is the fact that there is a credit in the film i don't know if you looked at the credits at the end but the very last credit in the film is for uh hot senorita Oh and, no! <laughs> and uh, that that would indeed be the woman who kisses Martin Short at the end, uh-huh. and, um, and like that. What a, what a credit to put on your resume! Yeah, <laughs> hot senorita. I mean, uh, yeah, it, and very much again, um, yeah, sort of late eighties, early nineties. There was generally a token hot person usually female in the film and their credit would be something along those lines and yeah they're just there to be like either oh look isn't it funny that the dweeb got the hot person or yeah you know, or just oh look at this hot person um yes it, it wasn't quite that with this film but it very much was a like oh that's surprising <laughs> Shorts yeah yeah uh, 
Yeah, I feel yeah. Eighties had a real uh, a, a weird dalliance with like uh, nerdy or unexpected uh, uh, person getting like weird science or something where it's like, oh, these yeah. two nerds <laughs> are with this hot model, and it's like, well, they made her, which is problematic in its own right. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely think at some point I'm going to be touching on weird science because uh, <laughs> out, out, of, out of a lot of the films from that era, that one is one of the most problematic I can think of. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, definitely wanted to, to get a few, um, uh, a few less hardball ones in first before yeah. diving into that. Um, but yeah, I... Um, I, I will say I when it comes to this film I would recommend this film to others um, just because like yeah again just because I wasn't laughing out loud at it and uh, and that sort of thing like I I could see the humor in there um, for instance like you said the campfire scene where it's just they are just sitting in front of a giant backdrop and the animals start singing. Uh, and it, it's almost um, it's almost South Park-esque, like original yeah. South Park mouths on the horses when they yes, start singing. Yeah. Uh, that, that was so odd. Um, but I was kind of there for it, you know, like it's just, it's kind of worked. And one thing that... I actually did crack it tomorrow because I assumed that the instructions they were given to find uh, El Guapo's camp was bullshit. Yeah. Like it just sounded like they were just trying to get rid of them. And then it turns out there actually was an invisible swordsman <laughs> that they killed. <laughs> like thinking back on it, like, yeah, yeah that's, pretty, that's pre- damn funny. <laughs> pretty impressive. Uh, effects from 1986 when Chevy Chase shoots the invisible swordsman and you see like an outline of a body smack into the sand I was like that's impressive I don't know what if that was practical effects or or you know quote unquote whatever CGI was at the time but I was very impressed by that yeah and then Martin Short picks up his hand and drops it and there's another yeah. little indentation like that was yeah. that was either very good blocking um, yes. and they were able to to, to get that done in post uh, or yeah some phenomenal cg work done in some fashion i i do recommend this film uh, to people at this point and i i not only do i think that this film could be made today with some changes and definitely um like you say you know, maybe changing up the makeup of the three amigos um, or giving, I think, I think upon the town people finding out that these guys are idiots, making the towns people the ones that then turn around and have the ideas and the three amigos are just helping them yeah, rather yes. than being the saviors. Like, I, I think that would be um, a better resolution of, Absolutely, overall. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think this film would need to be remade i don't think there's any clamoring for it but uh, yeah i i don't think there's an appetite for it it's still i mean i i again i can't stress enough it still absolutely has a place in my heart but (laughs) one i don't think i'd want to see it remade even as a fan of it and two i think most people probably are not fans or they're or they're apathetic to it and therefore there's zero appetite for it um i do feel maybe i'm trying to think of like uh i feel like absolutely like will arnett would be in this like that yeah. that type of energy seems fitting, and then from there, I, I feel like uh, 
I mean, I'm trying to think of like my casting versus like studio casting. Like, I feel like studio casting would be like Aquafina, and I'm trying <laughs> to think of who else. Well, um, I, but I, oh, go ahead. I, I would say I think number one, if we were going for um, you know male uh, three amigos, I think uh, Andy Samberg would be. Oh good. yeah, that's a good sort of like goofy, <laughs> goofy but trying to to uh, be serious energy. That's great. Yeah, like I, I think. Um, I think he would either be lucky or dusty. I, th- I think yes, he would yeah, be good yeah. in either of those. Um, however, I do think that if this was going to get remade, um, I feel like it would be funny to do a, a, a gender swap of them. Um, mm. And I think that the three people it should be would be um, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Um, Kate McKinnon and yeah. and I am blanking on the name right now, but uh, she was also in Bridemaids and Ghostbusters. Maya uh, Rudolph? Oh, no, uh, the other in one. Ghostbusters? Leslie Jones? No, um, no, the other one. the fourth? <laughs> Why boy, am I boy. blanking? Um, uh, that That's annoying. Uh, she's the main character in Bridesmaid. Uh, the main character? Uh, I thought it was Maya Rudolph. Um, no, not Maya. She's the one that's getting married. Uh, <laughs> Kristen Wiig? Yes. Yes, Kristen Wiig. Okay. Uh, damn, my wife's going to kill me for not being able to remember her name. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I can see those three being uh, um, like being cast in that and being a very good, you know, inept group of people. Yeah, that's, a, um, that's stellar casting. I, I think I would, um, if, if we're going gender swapped, I think, like, Diane Morgan would be fun. Uh, okay. Maybe maybe my favorite uh, comedian going today, Philomena Kunk herself, and then maybe like um, uh, Ellie Kemper, who plays uh, Kimmy Schmidt, has that Ooh. sort of like, uh, and she was uh, she was in the office as well, but she has yeah. that sort of like Martin Short energy of like super yeah. sincere, super enthusiastic, like each day is a gift, and like I'll we'll figure it out. Like I feel like she would be a great. Uh, the, the the Ned Niedermeyer character. Yeah, no, absolutely. That that would be N- a, Nerdlander a, a Niedermeyer. Pick. I think uh, I'm conflating a Groundhog's Day character. <laughs> no, yeah, I, and it's a ridiculous last name. <laughs> so, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, no, I, I think you're fine. Uh, oh, I I actually wrote it down. Was it? It's uh, Nederlander. Nederlander. Yes, Nederlander. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I uh, also feel like uh, maybe. I mean, my my. My like all time favorite is Eddie Murphy. I think he's too old for this, but like Eddie Murphy would be great. I think um, he, he would be a good studio boss. Yeah, uh, I also feel like Jack Black would be good energy. I feel like uh, he's Ooh. maybe also Jack Black's maybe uh, who knows. But um, uh, Chris Tucker, I think, would be so funny in something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just trying trying to think of like energies that would be fitting for for the roles. Uh, and I, I mean, yeah. I I think. I think if you made Kevin Hart the Chevy Chase character, I think that would be good energy. Okay, I'm not I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I'm, well, I I I understand uh, <laughs> that yeah. he he's very hit or miss with a lot of people. Um, but yeah. uh, but I think having a really short character being that would yeah them, yeah I yeah. think that there would be a lot of good comedy from that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, uh, if it was uh, continuing the theme of uh, you know, they're obviously movie stars. Yeah, mm-hmm. he probably was shot from lower down so that he looked bigger yeah. than he was. And <laughs> that. <laughs> that that would yeah, you're, you're dead on. That would be a very fun element to play with. <laughs> yeah, I 
I I do think this film it it is very much a, a product of his time. Um, yeah, with with, with the, the way that the film goes, and the, mm-hmm. there weren't aside from the fact that there was an invisible swordsman, there weren't too many surprises um, yeah. into yeah. the film. But yeah, I I, I think overall uh, this this kind of passes the test that I would I would have for this uh, for this series in that um, I do think. It holds up, um, but as we say, maybe a couple of things would definitely get changed if it were to be made now. A but, little, a uh, little tightening of the screws. I, I, yeah. I, I actually just thought of you, you said. Besides the Invisible Swordsman, there's no real surprise. I assume you also meant like the burning bush because that's like what, that's yeah, that, like within that thirty scene. seconds of each other. <laughs> yeah. But but I, I think it's surprising something I've surprised people with because I know it, and and maybe it's maybe it's common knowledge nowadays, and it's not as surprising. But I think it's cool that. Uh, the Singing Bush is voiced by Randy Newman, who also co-wrote the movie. And yeah. and everyone's like, Randy Newman, like, you got a friend in me Toy Story? I'm like, that's the one. Yeah, and I, I think he, he did like three or four songs for it as well. Like all the songs that they yeah, yeah. sing, he wrote as well. Which um, which which I I saw his name, and then when they started singing, I was like, yeah, that, that tracks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very but much he tracks. also wrote a lot of this, not a lot, but he wrote, you know, X amount of the script as well, which I which I think is fantastic. Yeah, no, and it, it's something that you don't really think of from Randy Randy Newman. Like you, know, you you think all of these old just slower songs and everything, but no, yeah, actually penning a script with Steve Martin and uh, because of course he has his hands in everything in those times, Lorne Michaels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I have too much more to say other than um, you know I do recommend this to people uh, especially if they are a fan of Steve Martin Martin Shores and so on um, yeah if you're a fan of Chevy Chase uh, good for you I guess uh, but uh, <laughs> good but, for you why don't you do a Pratt fall down the stairs buddy yeah go on didn't yeah, he just, what's the thing about uh, there's some weird fact about Chevy Chase he he started the band uh, Steely Dan is that it? Uh, I think I, he started Steely Dan, and then he and then he either left or the band kicked him out. <laughs> uh, I had to say, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Um, yeah. uh, he uh, just having a quick look here. Um, he, oh, uh, he was in. He played the drums in a college band that was headed yeah. by the two people that then founded Steely Dan. <laughs> I see. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, he also apparently has perfect pitch. Oh, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah, which is which is kind of interesting because I have to say, during the scene where they are all singing around the campfire, it looked like he was um, like he was either dubbed or singing along to a track. Like he didn't quite look right, but the other two yeah. I did buy. So yeah, and he yeah. also he also sort of puts on anytime he a lot of times he sings in the movie. It's like a like a very. <laughs> Which I think he also does in Christmas Vacation. Like I think he likes to sort of um, go the weird route. Yeah, I mean that. You know, it it's a stick that he does. So yeah, that yeah. <laughs> absolutely. There's tracks. nothing. Fun. People don't like when you're super talented. Like you know, what I'm saying like it's not funny to have a beautiful voice. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it, it's kind of like Chris Hemsworth. You know, it's uh, some people have all the bloody luck. It's just <laughs> yeah, when he when he was like funny in Thor Ragnarok and Ghostbusters and stuff, I'm like, come on, man, <laughs> what leaves something for uh, the rest of us? What are you doing? Yeah, no, I, yeah. I'm 
I, I actually, yeah, uh, speaking of the Ghostbusters, I mentioned it in that recording there, but like probably my favorite bit from that film, hand down, is the entire joke that he is asking which of his headshots looked best. It's him mm-hmm. playing jazz and it's him playing play, <laughs> as a doctor playing the saxophone or yeah. listening to jazz and he's got the saxophone to his ear. Um, <laughs> That's a good uh, bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and the, the weirdest part in that bit is that um, the thing that he's actually asking about, which one makes him look most like a doctor, um, in the credits, there is another headshot of him where he actually is dressed like a doctor with a stethoscope. Like, so they actually bring it back for a final button at the end. So That's very good. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, so, bring it back to this then. Uh, like I said, I, I don't think I have anything else uh, to touch on with this one. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to, uh, uh, to go over with this? Or do you think we have... Uh, 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 given it all, all that we need. To. <laughs> I, I think I think we've covered everything. Something that just popped into my head three seconds ago <laughs> is just to toss out another casting option. Maybe Charlie Day, but he might also be too old. I, I'm trying. I'm mm. trying to think of like Steve Martin and Chevy Chase must have been fairly old. Must have been late 30s, early 40s, maybe. Who knows? Uh, Steve Martin's hard to pin down because I think he went completely white at 25. His hair. Um, so he's always hard to, to, to sort of. Um, figure out yeah. but I, but uh, i feel like charlie day from always sunny would be very funny in uh in the martin short role well i can say i can say because i happen to have his uh, his page open here uh chevy chase at the time that the film came out was mm. 43 okay yeah so i wasn't too far off so, yeah, no, but it, it's it's one of those things where it's like you hear uh was it like george went and john ratzenberger and cheers where they're like during che- you know when che- cheers first came out they were like 31 or something. It's like people just looked older back then, maybe. <laughs> so I, I think it's always hard to discern. But it, yeah, just to, oh, just yeah. wanted to toss out Charlie Day. And and then after that, I think I'm completely done. <laughs> Wait. Uh, no, I think I'm done. No, oh, OK. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yes, we, we have chucked out Charlie Day. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, once again, thank thanks so much for, for coming on. It's always a blast to have you here. And uh, thank you for uh, having me. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, uh, and if people wanted to uh, get a hold of you or, or hear you in other things, uh, where would they go to do so? Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, call me at 309. Uh, I forget the rest of my number. But you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram. I believe they're both at Adlerify, A-D-A-L-R-I-F-A-I. Um, so you could DM me there. Um, also, you can find me on the podcasts Hello from the Magic Tavern, uh, which is an improvised fantasy podcast. You can find me on Hey Riddle Riddle, which is a improv-filled riddle podcast. And you can find me on a show called Tell Me About It, which is a game show where people um, explain to me their passions and hobbies and uh, knowledge points. Nice, uh, <laughs> and yeah, they, I I will say uh, for anyone that heard you say "Hey Riddle Riddle," it's a improv riddle podcast. Like, yeah, go listen to it. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, uh, speaking of speaking of, I feel like Janet Varney would make a good three amigo. Ooh, ooh, yeah, that's a good shout. Which which one would she be? Um. Ooh, I I mean I could see her, I could see her doing a good lucky, 
Yeah. I, I, th- yeah. I think she has definitely has the chops for that. That would be agreed. Cool. Yep. <laughs> agreed. All right, okay. <laughs> so maybe we do remake it and we cast Janet Varney. Maybe she plays yeah. all three. Maybe she plays all three roles and it's a trick yeah. of the camera. <laughs> yeah, it's a Nazi professor thing. Oh, she's yes, just yes. Playing <laughs> a whole that's maybe that's one that couldn't be re- remade today. Yeah, um I I <laughs> I haven't watched that since I first watched it, but I yeah. feel like that probably uh, an iffy one. <laughs> well, it's it's actually the minute I said it cuz in my head I'm like, I don't think anything with a fat suit would ever get made today. And then I'm like, oh, the whale just won the Oscar for Brendan Fraser. So, uh it, again, I don't think my fingers on the pulse of uh, the Zeitgeist. Well, now be fair, I haven't seen it yet. I fully plan on seeing it as soon as I can, but that is a drama. Like it's not. Oh, that's fair. Loss. That's fair. Yes, 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 yes. It's not a hollow, hollow uh, show. It's not a shallow howl situation. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh-huh. Um, and that's another good poll. I may need to put that one down for a future. I've never seen well. it. Never seen it, but I remember watching the trailer and just like cringing, being like, "Ooh." <laughs> yeah, I'd say that that one. That one came out around about the same time as another film that in thinking of that film made me think yeah. of the idea for this series oh, which wow. is um 40 days and 40 nights 40 days 40 nights what is, um, i don't think i've ever heard of that that is a film where and i believe it's josh hartnett i might be wrong uh but oh it's if, a vampire movie is that the name of the vampire film i think josh hartnett was in a vampire movie called 40 days and 40 nights but i uh, but i never saw it i just once you said josh hartnett i was like oh i think i remember seeing a trailer for a vampire movie by that name oh um weirdly yeah i believe josh hartnett is in a vampire film that is related it's something similar to that but yeah. he okay. is also Sorry. in and i'm gonna put this in inverted commas comedy uh called 40 days and 40 nights where after he breaks up with a girlfriend he vows to stay celibate for 40 days as in, he gives up all forms of sex for Lent. <laughs> and in just thinking about the film and having watched it once, I am absolutely certain that film could never get made today, wow. especially I'm given the so ending. I'm so curious now. I'm so <laughs> curious now. I, I looked it up. That The movie I was thinking of was 30 Days of Night. That's it, yeah. So he's involved in a lot of numbers. Was yep. he in Lucky Number Eleven? <laughs> Possibly. Uh, Hartnett. Yes. Yes. Hartnett. He is. What's going on with you in numbers? Uh, and yeah. also, where are you? I don't think we've seen you in anything in some time. I hope uh, you're okay. He, uh, he actually, um, <laughs> he actually was just in an episode of Black Mirror that came out. Phew. Oh, oh good, good, good. <laughs> I've only seen the first one, which was okay. the um, um, Salma the, Hayek. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jonah's awful. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, I, I am up to the third one, which the third one is the one he was in, and um, uh, and yeah, uh, he as a person is clearly doing well. His character in that, maybe not so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, sorry, sorry yeah. Paul. I, I feel like you were wrapping up the show, and then I was like, I have some uh, <laughs> fuel to burn here. Apologies, uh, apologies. Uh, not a problem. That's uh, part of the reason why I love doing this is because uh, you know the people that I have on, yourself included, that uh, you never know where it's going to go. Uh, so, but yes, um, uh, so obviously people now know where to find you if you want to find uh, myself or this podcast. Um, 
on the social media. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you've already found the Andrew podcast. But, uh, you know, we are on uh, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Blokebusters. You can email us at theblokebusters.com. Uh, you can send a carrier pigeon if you want. I'm not sure I'll get it, but you can give it a go. Uh, <laughs> and uh, um, uh, with all that being said, one more time, thank you very much for coming on. Always a blast. Thank <laughs> and, you. Uh, no problem at all. And uh, <laughs> I will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh, Louis? I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.